just pray. God, I pray your anointing on the word. Um, you know all things. God, you knew what would happen today. And we pray that you would just have your way. God, let my words be your words. Um, anoint me with your Holy Spirit and open our ears to just hear what you have to say. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So we got to um, experience something so amazing yesterday. If you see the sea of red, I know even so, that's what we're called because a couple people when they've pulled in, they've said, oh my gosh, I just saw a sea of red and it was so encouraging. At the facilities that we were working at, we were at the recovery houses um, yesterday and I was at Mentor Senior Center and it was just such a blessing to work together. It was such an exciting day. We got to see some video. I would encourage you to look at the pictures on Facebook because um, there's so many more pictures and just captured moments, and it's really cool, and we're going to get those posted on our site. Um, but we had 79 people, actually, with those that helped with the food service, uh, ranging from ages 2 to 78. Isn't that awesome? And as we came together, we took on tasks that would have been impossible, literally impossible on our own, at least in that amount of time. What is the best part of that is we had fun doing it. Did we not have fun? We had an awesome day. When we accomplish something significant like this as a group, we're not only blessing the community that we're reaching out to, but we're experiencing just as great a blessing, if not even more. There is a synergy, there's a bonding, and a unity that takes place when we're doing something as exciting and fulfilling as Serve Day. And I think if you were there, you can give me an amen, right? It's the interactions that take place during this experience and the shared moments that we have, the inside jokes we develop, which will most likely be centered around Bob at this point. Um, it makes our day so impactful. And I know for me, one of the most precious moments of my day, um, at my site, we had a lot of families with young children and then we had some other adults interacting with them that we thought would, would do really well, and they did. I love that our church is diverse in ages, yet we work as one. That's something I love about us. I don't feel there is a distinction between us. We're all valuable, and we're all needed. And so we were working together, and as we got to the end of the day, um, we were picking up breaks and stuff, and me and Sharon and Rachel, and the kids had gathered in this little a center where there were flagpoles, and there was just the sound of just joy. They were laughing, and they were playing, and they were talking, and the parents, we were like, you got to get your stuff together, and it's like we didn't exist. They were having such a fun time together, and when I heard that affection for each other, we're talking two to youth group age, and it was as if they were one. They were just playing together and enjoying each other's company. It fed my heart because I'm like, this is what it's about. 
It is about what we're doing for others, but it's about what's happening as a body when we're doing this. And those kids worked hard. The two-year-old was working. I mean, we were working. It wasn't just fooling around. There is value in corporate service in the body of Christ. One of our core values here at our church is we are stronger together. That was evident. That was evident yesterday. What we can accomplish together is multiplied so many times than what we're trying to do or could do individually. This is true, and it's essential to our health as a church family that we need to do big things together. There are memories that are created. There's trust and relationships that are formed in the trenches of outreach and serving that cannot be reciprocated in other environments. Serving is inspirational. It's energizing for our body. And my heart was just full by seeing all the comments people were putting um, about how much fun they were having serving and just sharing some moments together. I would propose to you that what happened yesterday is a template for the type of unity and commitment God is looking for in the body on a regular basis. We often feel disconnected from the body or I hear people say, I just don't fit in or I'm not part of the body or I'm not. But most of the time it's because you're a Sunday morninger that comes in and leaves. And there's no connection made to the body. There's no memories made together. There's no bonding. There's nothing that's happening outside of these seats. And that's not what God intended for us. Serving is a true form of worship. Just as there's a place and a need for corporate serving, there's a place and a need for corporate worship, right? There's a synergy, just like we experienced this morning in worship, that you can't explain. You, you just can't explain when we all come together and we begin to lift up the name of Jesus together, there's power. It's tangible. You can feel it. It is exciting. It is like heaven on earth when we worship together and God commanded us to come together and do it corporately. However, true worship is one of the most intimate and personal acts between you and Jesus. It's a very personal, and so there is that dynamic of an expectation and a need for us to do it corporately, yet its significance comes from something very personal. When worship is just an event that you attend on Sunday, the spiritual and emotional high that you feel surging in the crowd will not last for you. And you will leave and be confused and weak and wondering. I know it was real. I know I felt it. But by Monday, it, it has no power again. You must develop your own intimacy with Christ. Worship is a reflection of our devotion and our intimacy with Jesus. Worship can be exercised in an event or a corporate gathering, but we were created for intimate worship. When we come together in this house, it is only going to be powerful as the sum of our equal parts. If you are a worshiper all week long, when we get into this house together, this roof is going to blow off. 
But if we come in here to do our worship experience on Sunday, there's a few of us engaging. And then there's kind of like, yeah, what's the big deal? It's a reflection of what's happening inside us personally during the week. And their worship, your best experiences should be on your own. Um, They really should. If they're not, I don't want you to feel guilty about that. I want to free you for that. But um, Liam is often, he gets mad if me and Ella have our best times of worship in the car. I mean, we are like, you know, full blast. And like, I, you know, and I can't help it. One hand, I'm like, Jesus, you know, one hand on the wheel. And I'm just like, I got to praise him. I have to. Like, I am feeling it. And Liam's like, don't you dare turn that music on, Mom. Don't you? You know, you know we won't get there. I have to get there. You'll, and because usually I'll just, like, go somewhere else. And he's like, what are you doing? I don't know. I'm so excited. Like, I'm so into my worship right now. We're going wherever. He's like, I have got to be at the mall. <laughs> But our, our best times of worship should happen alone. And when we come in here, it should be like our hearts cannot contain it. Our hearts cannot contain what he has done for us. I would propose again that service is very similar to worship. We can show up for corporate acts of service. But if that's the brick wall of our offering... If serving is conditional and scheduled, is it serving? Because the Kardashians have several episodes right now of them out in the community serving. Is Jesus lifted high? Or do people just have a newly renovated house that's on a personal show? Acts of service do not equal being a servant of Christ. That may sound harsh, And I'm not trying to be harsh. I want to bring joy into your heart today and help illuminate the true heart of service. Serving is not an activity, it's a lifestyle. Our attitude towards serving and the place that serving has as the priority in our schedule and on our list is the truth. And it's a direct reflection of our love for Jesus. All throughout Scripture, our commitment to Christ is measured. How much we love him is directly connected to our love for others and our willingness to serve them. Everywhere. All throughout Scripture, you are never more like Jesus than when you're giving. Jesus asked Peter three times, do you love me? Peter was, he was almost offended. He's like, yes, I love you by the third time. And every time Jesus kept saying, if you love me, you will feed my sheep. If you love me, you won't be about this even organization of me and you and the disciples. You will get out there and you will love my people. You will take your time, your talent, and your energy, and you will love the people I came to die for. Jesus said, the greatest among you shall be your servant. That sounds like our culture. He said, love the Lord your God with all your heart. But then he said, and love your neighbor as yourself. No command is greater than this. 
No matter how spiritual we think we are, adhering to every law, everything we can do, if our life is not surrendered in service, we've missed it. We are not spiritual. The disciples were arguing over who would get to sit on the right hand of Jesus when they got to heaven. During ministry, of course, this is what they're arguing about while Jesus is healing and doing miracles and touching people. And he essentially said, you don't get it. It doesn't matter who sits at my right. It's about what you're doing now. Are you loving people? Are you serving people? Because you got to be a servant if you want to be great with me. Mark 10.45 says, even the Son of Man came not to be served but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Even the Son of Man came not to be served. He is Jesus Christ. So who do we think we are? (laughs) To be like, I don't have to do that. Yeah, you're right, you don't have to. But do you want to be like Jesus? Amen. I like that. I'm going to tell you something that's funny because I was talking about how children are such an eye-opener to what's going on. When we got to our site yesterday, I, I opened with prayer, and my fear was there wasn't enough for us to do because we are beasts, right? The workers of CLC, we're like, we're doing it. We're going like beast mode. We are going to do this. And when we got to this site, it did, to me, it didn't look like we had that much work to do. And Joss and I had talked about it, and Jamie was in charge over there. And I'm like, now listen, we're just going to kind of like fiddle fart around, like, and let them go, you know. And, and I said, but with these kids, we were really impacting these kids. So we prayed, and I said, now listen, there might not be as much work to do here, but remember, this is just as valuable. We are impacting our children. We're setting an example, blah, blah, blah. Well, about like an hour into it, I'm like, wow, yeah, there's like a lot to do. Like we just kept pulling, and I'm like, are these weeds multiplying? How many pine cones could there be at the senior center? I mean, it is like pine cone heaven. Ella said, this is like an Easter egg hunt. I'm like, yeah, it is. And um, Eliana came up, and I go, woo, Eliana, we are in the thick of it, aren't we? And she's dumping, and I'm getting the garbage bag. She goes, man, I'm so glad. She goes, last night I was, I was in my bed and I was praying. I was so afraid that there just wasn't going to be enough for us to do. And I was going to be bored, and we were not going to be working. We were going to be, like, hanging out. And I, I came to work. I go, so you are responsible for the multiplication of the weeds and the pine cones. But what a spirit, right? The Bible says that, that the fields are right, but the workers are few. In Ariana's mind, there, we need more fields. She needs more work. And I love that attitude, There's no question Jesus set an example of being a true servant, and he expects us to live a life of service for other people. Here's where things get a little tricky for us. Everyone's definition of words is based on their perception, right? So we've talked about this in leadership. I I hate to say we have a standard of excellence. You can't just say that because my standard of excellence does not equate to your standard of excellence, as is evidenced by how our children clean their room. If they actually think that's okay, no, it's not okay. 
And so our perception of serving is kind of based around different things. And so we need a true definition of serving. I've come to realize that we often overcomplicate spiritual principles or concepts. They're not, they're not really that difficult. Jesus made it simple enough for everyone. An example of this is faith. Oh, it's so complicated. It's so, you know, it's so intense. It's, there's so many facets to it. Here's what a saying that I've adopted and I feel like is just very simple and true. When it comes to, being faith, to having faith, you have two choices, just two. You can either keep believing God or you can stop believing God. I mean, really, if we're turning things over and over and over in our head, do you want to keep believing or have you decided to just stop believing in him? It's very simple. So I'm going to give you something you can hold on to here when it comes to being a servant. When it comes to being a servant, you are either in service or out of service. There you go. We're done. Thank you. You are either in service or out of service. Now, I think it would be better because we're kind of lean toward the negative to just illuminate what out of service means and then you'll know what in service means. Because we can all appreciate and relate to something being out of service. Like the gas pump. You know. When you've pulled around like four times because you don't remember which side your pump is on. And so you're like, oh, 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 sorry, sorry. And then you're backing up. You finally get an empty pump and you pull up in that stupid yellow plastic sleeve that you're like, I'm going to lose it. I am going to out of service. Get out here and fix it. I need gas. Right? Or the ATM. Oh, you wait like four people only to pull up and it's like out of service. The vending machine at the hotel. You know when you need a Hershey bar at like 11 o'clock and nothing's open and you're ready to kill everybody in the room and you're like, I'm, I need a Hershey bar right now. And you get there and it's like blinking. You're like, I'm going to lose it. This is not going to work. The elevator. We just got to get there. We're exhausted. Now we got to walk 10 flights because there's no elevator. When something is out of service, it is very, very frustrating. It can frustrate us and it makes us feel angry sometimes. Why? Because something we need is trapped inside of something we can see but we can't access because it's not working right. But it's right there. It's like right in our grasp and we need it right now. When things are out of service, there is a ripple effect. When the vending machine is unable to produce a Hershey bar and mama's hangry, there's going to be a ripple effect in that room in about five minutes, right? When Guido's only takes cash and Bob's been to two ATMs craving a pizza pie, borderline salvation issues here at stake, right? But seriously, when things are out of service, there is chaos, there is frustration, and there is dysfunction. People are depending on the resource they're attempting to access. Think about the pandemic. It could be the dumbest item you were depending on, but it became the item during that time, and it caused anger, fights, chaos, right? 
selfishness, people started acting out. I've got to get toilet paper. You know, it was like hysteria over toilet paper. Right, we get it. People are rationing squares and like, what is going on here? Okay, dysfunction is going on because something we were, we were relying on access to is now screwed up. No gas, what happened a few months ago? Hysteria. Go line up, hoard. Do. It creates hysteria. It creates chaos and dysfunction. When people have to look to other sources to find what they need, they become desperate. Sometimes they find themselves doing despicable things out of desperation because they can't get what they need. Maybe they can't get the help they need. So they go somewhere else. What is the definition of serving? It is to have a given use or purpose. There is an order to everything. God is a God of order. In the words of Mufasa, if God is a God of order is not enough for you, everything you see exists together in a delicate balance. Lion King. Yes, next to the word. Everything you see exists together in a delicate balance. God created you with a specific purpose, and you are part of the delicate balance of what's happening here on earth. You have a purpose in the world, and you have a purpose in this church. When you're not doing what you were created to do in the church body, there's dysfunction and chaos in your place. Often we look at things in the church, why don't we, why don't they, they're just, because you know what, someone's probably doing a job they're not meant to do because you're not doing it. And so now it's being done this way because someone with a willing heart is willing to do it, but they're not supposed to be doing it. When you're not doing what you are created to do, it creates frustration in other people because they're lacking what they need. And they're trying to do something they're not called to do, so they're missing their place, and it affects them. When your sign reads out of service in the world, the stakes are even higher. People are lost, and they're looking for a source. And if you're out of service, they're going to go find the next alternative. We like to think, if I don't do it, God will raise someone else up to do it. Who said that? <laughs> I think that that makes us feel better, that if we don't do something, God will raise up someone else who will. No, what you were called to do would not be accomplished. What you were called to do will not. That's just the truth. I think that... Being honest, I don't think there's too many people, especially here, who would purposely decide I'm just out of service. We are good people. This is a good congregation. You are loving people. We are generous people. We are good people. But I think what we may be more guilty of is hanging a temporarily out of service sign on ourselves. Right? Because that's a little more spiritual. In fact, I'm temporarily out of service because I'm focusing on my family. I'm not making fun because this happens. But how could focusing on your family involve retracting from the Lord and his kingdom? How is that going to help your family? It's a lie. 
We hang that temporarily out of service sign. And some of us, like at work, I am in mining industry. So at our work, if there's an out of service, it also says danger, don't come near, get away, you could get hurt. Some of us have that on. People won't even get close to us because we're like out of service. <laughs> right? I am hurt. I served for 20 years. I'm out of service. And we justify that that's okay. It's a lie. We all have intentions of getting back on the right track sometime, recentering our lives, our priorities, as soon as. As soon as my kids get out of this sporting thing, I'm never signing them up again. I've heard that about 500 times. As soon as my kids grow up, as soon as this job slows down, as soon as my health gets back in order, as soon, as soon, as soon, we've all said it. And let me stop to say, there is a time for out of service. Our cars need to go in when they need aligned, right? They need to go in when they need repaired when they need maintenance. God does put us sometimes on a timeout. But that is not a permanent solution. It's a temporary thing. And my fear is that we often take that temporary and it just drags on and on because the devil will make sure that you don't get a breath. And even if the devil doesn't, just flat out life will. This is life. It's hectic. It's busy. Many times we are using that tune-up kind of thing as an excuse, and we need to just be, be aware of that. What are some factors that can lead to our lack of servant-hearted living? I'm just going to share a couple, and then we're going to um, wrap it up here. The biggest one and the first is there's not enough time. If I only had more time, I would. I wish I had the time to. I would help, but I just don't have the time. I was driving one day, and, and I share this not judgmentally. That's why I'm going to share this story. And I just feel just this anxiety and this overwhelm. Like I, I'm thinking of all the things I want to do at church, all the things I feel like I could do, that I could start, that I could lead, that I could help with. And the things I want to do with my kids and the things I want to do, I said, God, I just wish I had enough time. I know you've put all these things in my heart, and I just don't have the time to get to all of them. And no longer had it gotten out of my mouth than I heard him say, are you saying I didn't give you enough time? Uh, what? <laughs> no. Do we realize when we say these things that the God who created us in this moment in history created time. He carved out our life. He has plans for us, and every hour and every minute is planned. He does not make mistakes, so there is no lack of time. The prayer is not, God, give me more time. The prayer should be, God, what would you have on my schedule today? Because if you ask that, I promise you, you'll have enough time. 
He's not going to create a day for you that does not have enough time to do what he planned. The problem is we don't want to give up what we have planned. And it could be a lot of good things. It's not that it's anything bad. Serving is a lifestyle, not an event. I'm called to be a living sacrifice. This means this is a continuous daily surrender of my priorities, my desires, my wants, Are we willing to cancel a personal event at the last minute to serve someone else? Usually our initial reaction would be, I'm sorry, I can't, I already have plans. Did you ask Jesus if those were his plans and you could cancel them? Or did you just assume because you have personal plans that you're not going to do it? I feel like Brother Henderson. I get (laughs) Maybe he'll watch online, jump behind there. Are we willing to give up a favorite sport, hobby, or activity to prioritize the needs of others? Are we willing to stop in our day and have a conversation or help someone? Or are we so scheduled, and trust me, this is me. This is a daily thing for me. We're not on schedule to have a conversation. We did not volunteer, therefore we will immediately walk past. We don't have a lack of time. We have a tendency towards selfishness. That's the truth. Our core value, Tim mentioned it, we give up things we love for things we love even more. It doesn't say we give up horrible things. It says sometimes we have to give up things we love to do things we love more, which is people. Our commitment goes beyond our words. Our schedules reflect our convictions. Time. What is the second factor that can lead to a lack of servant-hearted living? And I think it's probably the only other factor. It's the me factor. Serving equals sacrifice. Amen, brother. It's just two fingers. You'll be fine. It's all for the cause. They got firewood. That's all that matters. Serving equals sacrifice, and that's hard, right? Romans tells us that we are to view our bodies as a living sacrifice. This is true and proper worship. Serving means putting others before yourself, and that's hard. We have a self-interest culture, and our fleshly instincts are to self-protect, We're worried if we commit, if we choose others, we won't have enough time or energy or money for our own, right? We worry about that, and I understand that. I do too. Can I tell you something? On paper, you don't have enough time, money, or energy. There's no way. Do it anyways. People take advantage of you. Yep, they will. Do it anyways. People may not reciprocate in the way we desire or think they should in response. Do it anyways. Other people aren't pulling their weight. Right. People don't. They're out on their boat posting pictures and you've been working VBS all week and you're like, what in the world? Like, I'm here alone, busting my butt. And they're out, you know, on the boat all week. Yeah. But is, is that your business? Is that your focus? Uh, my niece said to me, we, I was 
uh, getting ready to work. And remember, I told you we were taking pictures and stuff. We didn't know how much work. And I kept telling her, honey, get those pine cones. She worked so hard. She, she looked up at me. She put her uh, thing down. She said, and what are you doing? She goes, you keep telling everybody what to do, but I haven't seen you do anything. And I was laughing because I said to Bob, that's how we think. I'm like telling her, oh, you, you don't need to worry about me. Need to worry about you. That was my response, you know. You don't need to worry about me. I'm fiddle farting. You need to worry about you. But it's true. We look around and we do that. The enemy wants us to focus on ourselves. If there's anything that is the antithesis of serving, it's the me factor. It really is. You will never be more miserable than when you focus on yourself. Never. The more time you spend thinking about yourself, the more miserable you will be and the less time you will feel you have for anything else. Philippians says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourself. Not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interest of others. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. We can even serve out of selfish ambition. How serving makes us feel. The Facebook shout out we got. CLC, serve. But do you walk by needs every single day? Do you snub your nose when asked to volunteer for something insignificant at church or in your family or in your community? One definition of serving is to present something to someone. If we're not presenting Jesus, then what's the motivation? It's got to be about Jesus. Valuing others, considering them more important than you. This is a position of the heart. It's a mindset. It's not an event. Not looking to your own interest. Jesus knew that we were going to be concerned about our own. But we can become so fearful and wrapped up in that that we're unavailable to engage in the needs around us. Life is hard. I get that. I get where we're at. We feel sometimes too broken to give of ourselves. We feel too stretched out. We feel worn out. We don't think we have anything of value to offer anymore. We can feel overwhelmed with the thought of reaching out because we're feeling so low ourselves. I'm not going to reach out and depress somebody else, right? But the enemy wants us to focus inwardly instead of outwardly because he knows it's the key to your joy. God knows your needs. He sees them. His call to serve others in the midst of suffering isn't a test. It's a key that unlocks your joy. When you are about God, his kingdom, and his business, when that is first, your first priority, he will take care of your family. I promise you. I have dragged myself in here with migraines. I've had women pray for me in a Bible study when I was passing out. Remember, Anita? I'm like, oh, no, we're doing it. Do you know how many times I have been healed preaching and teaching with a migraine? Every time. Every single time. When I put God first, he shows up. He makes it. When I don't have the money but I keep being faithful, he shows up. 
put him first. I promise you a life of service is the joy you're looking for. It says he despised the shame of the cross, but he endured it because of why? The the joy that was before him. What was the joy? We were the joy. The cross was worth it because we bring joy to him. Picking up your cross is no comparison to what he did, but pick it up because the joy is before you. It's the people. It's the lives. It's the relationships. It's the interaction. In Nehemiah, we read the joy of the Lord is our strength. It's funny, Bob keeps saying, don't come off the wall, and Nehemiah is about the wall. Don't come off the wall of serving. Don't do it. Let your life be a life of service. When we do, we're going to feel that joy. Um, I'm going to wrap it up right here and just share with you that Ella, one of the greatest things that happened as well this week is we got there, we were tired, you know, and there was a lot to do. And she's like, what am I going to do? And, you know, she's like, do we get paid for this? (laughs) And she was half kind of joking. Because she knew, but on the other hand, like, you work, you get paid, right? That's the mentality. Like, that's our mentality. And I'm like, no, honey. I'm like, but listen, the rewards that you get from serving could not possibly compare to money. And I'm thinking, oh, God, please do something today. (laughs) You got to back me up here because this is like a 10-year-old kid, and she's going to be like, I want a squishy. What are you talking about? She came to me around the fence. She says, Mom, she got down. She goes, she was beaming. I mean beaming. She goes, I am so happy. I have been helping Violet and Jet, these little ones. I'm showing them what to do, and we are talking, and I'm encouraging them. She's talking like just like me. And I'm showing them what needs done. I've taken over. You know, sounds like me. Again. She goes, Mom, I'm having the most fun I've ever had. I said, honey, that's what I was talking about. There's such joy in serving together, in doing something together. I'm so happy for you. And I was like, thank you, God, for letting her feel this, this kind of joy. Here at our church, I have a dream to see a movement. I have a dream. I didn't mean that. I have a dream to see a movement of caring and acts of selflessness that is not fostered by a main event. And I'm not against those main events. I just preached about how awesome they are. But it's going to be birthed in the hearts of individuals, and it's going to be birthed in the homes of our families. We're going to model it. We're going to live it Monday to Saturday. I want to hear about things happening in the community. Who are those people? Like, they're just ridiculous. They're just constantly doing things for others. God has huge things for us to do together. There are more events, more opportunities to come. And I encourage you to join in these events. However, I believe our opportunities for bigger and better in our community are directly tied to our willingness to serve here, to serve individually when we're away from here. Serving cannot be something we do. It's got to be the very essence of who we are. One of our core values is it's a privilege to serve. I mean, think of that. It's a privilege. 
Is that truly how we feel as a body? Not that it's an obligation or responsibility, but it's a privilege. If it's truly a privilege, then each and every one of us should be serving in some capacity in this church family. Each and every one of us should welcome those interruptions in our schedule every week when we're out. Um, my sister's been um, battling cancer and we all take turns going and it's almost comical, not for her, obviously, but you know, if she sends us to get a sandwich or drink, God only knows when any of us could come back because you're in a hospital. So it's like, oh wait, let me get that for you. Oh, wait. There are so many people around us that can use a hand, a smile, a hug, help. Your day is not just about what's in front of you. For us, Tiffany is our priority, but we found every day there's so many other people that God's bringing into the mix for our whole family to minister to. We must be faithful with the souls God's given here in our church. We've got to be faithful with our own children. We've got to be faithful in the little things for him to give us bigger things. We're going to... Um, just dismissed in prayer, I want to thank you all again for such beautiful spirits and attitudes at Serve Day. Man, you guys work hard, but we're just such a great family. And I'm so proud of you. I'm so proud to be part of you. Even Bob, when he went to the hospital, I know here comes Sharon in. And Bob's been with her at the hospital many times. And he said, well, Sharon, isn't this something? Now you're at the hospital with me. That's how it should be. We are a family. And thank you for doing that. And I know everyone else, people were blowing up my phone. I'll go, what did you hear? What do you, I'm like, ah, oh, he's fine. We'll get, you know. But he was, he was fine. And, he, and we appreciated everybody reaching out. But let's just pray and let's use this day as a launch pad for just a personal um, call to serve. Lord, we thank you so much.